Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Off the Post. I'm Russ Cohen. We've got Anthony Mangione. And how are you? Doing well this morning, Russell. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Nice day out. Rain stopped. We've got uh, mm-hmm. hockey moving forward. Uh, everything looks good. Uh, maybe even Mike will be happy today. I'm not sure. Michael Jello? Uh, come on. Uh, me happy. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a good week of hockey. It's been topsy-turvy, and uh, we have more excitement happening tonight. Yeah. My first blanket statement will be after, now that you know we're getting through and getting ready to be in the first round of the actual playoffs, uh, at least there were some decent round-robin games. The, the best of fives... Like, I get that that's what they voted on. I still didn't love it. I hated it in 79, and to be honest, I still hate it because I just felt like some teams were, like, afraid to make the goalie switch because it's so impactful where in a best of seven you definitely could do it and, and there's no problem. But also, you know, some of those games, like, you lose in overtime and it's like, that's it, where if it's best of seven, you're like, all right, they get another shot to sort of build off of what they were doing. So I just... It's a little unfair, but it is what it is, Ann. I'm not quite as against the, the best of five in a, in a potential playing scenario going forward. If you're looking to expand the postseason potentially to 10 teams per conference and you have a 7-10-8-9 matchup and then you figure things out between the one and two seeds as to who goes forward from that spot – I'm okay. I, I, ultimately, I, I'm okay with it in that I don't like it necessarily in this widely expanded format where a five seed can get not you know, after after earning so much you know after earning that spot throughout the regular season, all of a sudden you're out of the playoffs. You know. Yeah. I think in that circumstance, the best of five, I don't like it. But I think in a low seed play-in format, if you, I, I think in that circumstance, as a play-in more limited next season, hopefully, um, I'm o- I would be okay with that. But not in the – certainly once you get to the final 16, I think, you know, that's why we always – that's why we refer to it as the playoffs really begin edition of this show today because yeah. this is – I think now this is, the tr- this is the true postseason now. Mike? Yeah, I mean, let, let's just say that no matter if it's the NCAA basketball tournament or this play-in – qualifying round uh the 5-12 matchup is always the bracket of death and it was this time around too um i you know i, I know we i don't know if we were going to touch on the the larry brooks comment about uh about uh, expanded playoff situations i've always been in favor well, he had of a that. quick answer the answer was no <laughs> yeah, and I, I i think that's i think that's ridiculous because i think when when no i agree expanded, you know, and and based on the ra- based on the ratings that the NHL is getting, I think even though Bettman has been completely against it, I think that having a play-in round 
uh, of you know seven, eight, nine, ten, like like Anthony was saying, uh, maybe a best of three or a best of five. Uh, that that would uh, provide the 16 teams with re- with rest going into the playoffs, and would be a, f- a financial situation that would be beneficial to the to the NHL. So, but you know. I remember best of three series in the late seventies. I remember a best of five series between Buffalo and Quebec in the in the in the eighties. It's not perfect. It's not a best of seven series, and it takes a lot more for a team to win four games than three games. But I think generally this has been a success. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think generally, and 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 I'm not against a play-in because I think like what Anthony said, um, those teams like that next year will be a little more deserving because they'll know at the beginning of the year, like it's, you know, they're not just going to get it handed to them. I give the perfect example is my, my fantasy league. I had no idea I had made the playoffs. All of a sudden, you know, Shane Malloy sends me a text, says, hey, you got to set your playoff roster. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, what are you talking about? I'm 200 points. I'm 200 points out. I set my playoff roster. Uh, I looked at somebody made odds on teams advancing Mine were 88% that I won't advance, mm-hmm. and, and I'm winning, yeah. and I'm winning. <laughs> so, so you're the Habs, is terrible. what you we, we, yeah. we, we were discussing this all together, and I, Russ and I certainly had um, 80, you know, it's just the entire Western Conference, I got took the golden sombrero on every single series I was wrong. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, we got killed. <laughs> We all got killed. I got okay. Got Carolina. Okay, that one was good. Yes. But it was best of five, and we expected a better performance out of the Rangers. That didn't happen. Um, and beyond that, and I was pretty close on the Islanders. Uh, whereas I think a lot of people were a little bit more looking at Florida as being, you know, oh, they got more talent. Maybe like, no, Florida. Florida was a true. I mean, they 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 proved themselves to be the you know the worst team I think uh, in this tournament coming into this tournament. Yeah. You know, and it's just. But beyond that, it's just like okay, you know, maybe if Columbus wins today, then I'm three and, and then I'm three and five. Same so, with yeah. me. That's um, that's a, you know, I'm not saying I'm rooting for that because I would I would feel bad for Mike. Right. Yeah, it's a semi disaster versus an absolute. Just don't bet the house on anything I'm saying. Well, <laughs> exactly, I, or I, anybody's I would, saying because it, it really is volatile. All of this is really. It's it's like nothing we've ever seen, and and so yeah, to well, bet it, it's hard. Well, I was accepting of that of that fate with about five minutes left to go in Game Four <laughs> of the of that series, but we'll get to that in a minute. But no, I mean, I picked the I picked the Islanders over Florida because I I agree, Florida was the, the most cha- one of the more challenged teams, and I did take the Canucks over Canucks over Minnesota, but you know. Nobody, I know a certain person that we both know said, "Oh, I should have had the guts to take Montreal." Nobody in their right yeah. mind would have taken Montreal. No, but, no. but uh, and and you know, I, I toyed with the idea of Chicago, but again, did we think that that, that you know that Chicago was going to be able to play enough defense? And outscore McDavid and Drysidle to beat them? No. So and and the Winnipeg situation with you know they were decimated in Game One. So it's like it's it's tough to be judgmental on them. So this was a wacky playoffs. Yeah. Sorry. Right. So we'll do some quick epitaphs for some teams. We're not going to go do them all. Um, sure. We'll do the New York New York Rangers because I, I think I could sum this one up easy. Uh, defense still isn't good enough. David Quinn got an introduction into the NHL playoffs and got schooled a bit. 
We'll see if he learns from that. And don't ever put all your best guys on one line when you're having trouble because it just in this era, to me, it just makes it easier to defend. So I felt like those were three glaring spots for the Rangers. Ant, what about you? Biggest concern I had for New York was the fact that just it, the level of the, they just could not figure out Carolina's uh, scheme for a lot of mm-hmm. you know, they would get short bursts of offensive flourish and then it would just die. They never put on anywhere near enough pressure on Peter Morazic for us to really get a good bearing on you know where Morazic is in terms of you know how and, and once we get obviously get now into the crux of the playoffs, well, this will become more of a referendum as we see going forward. Although, honestly, the, even though there wasn't a ton of pressure on James Reimer, now all of a sudden you, you, Carolina has to feel like, hey, if Morazic isn't going, maybe Reimer, maybe Reimer catches fire in this, uh, in this postseason. So, but for New York, again, the concern is defensively, you could tell Tony D'Angelo was not 100% in this series. He's a major trigger for them on the blue line. He was absolutely on that last on that goal in, in Game Three against uh, Aho was absolutely turnstile. I don't think he would oh, yeah. if he was fully healthy. Necessary. Aho's incredibly skilled, but I think D'Angelo he just did, he just didn't track the way he normally would. Fox had a very, this was very much a um, you know trial but you know a trial by yeah. fire for Adam Fox in this series. And again, goaltending wise, I. I it, certainly Hank gave up a couple uncharacteristic Hank goals. We know where he's at at this point. Um, yeah. It just was what it was for New York. It was a learning experience, and, you know, they, they took a bloody nose in this series, no question. Yeah. Mike? Yeah, I think it's a learning experience for the Rangers. I think that uh, Gordon in the in the off season is going to have to address certain situations. Uh, you know, all, be, all that being said, like, I, 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 you know, I thought Carolina could play defensively. Uh, I didn't. I questioned their goaltending. They, I don't think the Rangers got enough offensive opportunities to really take advantage of that situation. Um, you know, now Carolina is going to be well rested going into that first round, but I still think the flaws are there. I give them credit for what they did against the Rangers. They were impressive, but uh, I, I still think that they're a flawed team. Yeah, I think there's flaws there. And 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 the last thing I'll say is, you know, if this is the end for Henrik Lundqvist in the in the NHL. I covered him from the beginning. The one thing I could tell you about him that I rarely see in other athletes, and this isn't slighting other athletes, this is just him. Uh, This is a guy who is super ultra-competitive, and yet after a game, even some of the most horrific losses, like the shootout loss against the Flyers, he's able to really be calm, cool, and collected in the locker room and talk to the media in a very professional way, and that's something even someone like John Tortorella can learn from. Anyhow. Ross Boyd just slid that, that – but, boy, you just slid that one in like home plate, man. <laughs> like, like, the, like, the, like the hot knife through butter. <laughs> so, now, so now we go to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, look, I think Mike Sullivan's always been a bit overrated as a coach. I think his, the best thing he's been able to do is something that Phil Jackson learned to do, and that's let your great players be themselves and do what they need to do. He did that this time, but this time they didn't do so well. But, again, it's a five-game series. It does tend to be a little fluky. I don't think Murray lost in the series, and certainly Jerry didn't keep him in the series. So I just think this was one of those times where, hey, 
it didn't work out for them. They certainly um, aren't where they should be defensively, although they were better in the regular season defensively than they were when they came back. Whatever that means, I can't give you analysis on that because it's four and a half months later. But end of the day, they, they've got moves that they have to do also if they want to sort of keep the window open. The one thing I took out of this, Ant, was in Sullivan's postgame, I caught a little bit of it, and mm-hmm. you know he talked about the window and he talked about elite and everything, but he's also talking about a coach that sort of, if he wants to be honest, knows that in a year or two he's not going to be there if they don't win. Like, he knows that. Exactly. And, again, I think another thing that kind of was kind of shuffled under the rug a little bit was um, even though he had, even though he scored in the series, Sidney Cross, this team again very much relies, I think, especially in its current form, relies a lot on how Sidney Crosby is going. He was not yeah. really not himself in this series. I think we no. all know him coming in. He was he was he got back into camp. You know, he got some goals. Obviously, he had a really nice one. I thought you your classics. You know, I don't I don't think anybody scores with the puck on the, like, low to the, shoots low shots with the accuracy that, that Crosby does when he gets in tight in terms of slipping things past. But he just was, it just wasn't the Sidney Crosby you're used to seeing, I think, in, in, in these normal, in these circumstances. But, again, the biggest thing that I took out of the series was, again, while Pittsburgh was better defensively in the regular season, I still have some major, some, some misgivings about their blue line. I think Latang is still good. I think Marino was was a, was a revelation on that blue line. I like Pedersen, um, but once we kind of get past that and you get into you know Jack Johnson and you get their their defense is not especially fleet of foot, and I think Montreal no. really exposed that on the counter rush in this series. As I mentioned on a few other shows, is that that was the thing I noticed that once Montreal knew they could skate with them literally, um, and, and in some cases outskate them. That gave them a ton of confidence, and Pittsburgh mm-hmm. just started to have the look of a team that just didn't want to be there. Is if they, they were they're trying to pick up their pace, and they just didn't have it. And that's a, again, that is a definitely a concern. And there is, and Crosby said it himself, he, he you know he acknowledges the window for the current team may be closing, and that drastic changes could be on the way for Pittsburgh if they're going to remain competitive. But this was also, again. Every single the last several years, we've talked about this in the off season of how Pittsburgh it seems to kick the can down the road and acquire you know certain le- high, you know levels of talent to the team, mm-hmm. but now they don't have the young. I don't think they, I don't think they have the young personnel it, it prospects in system to replace the players as they're aging, and that is a big concern for them going forward. They've got a couple that are a couple years away, so if they could bridge two years, few, they will get replacements on the blue line. That's my concern. What you know, yeah. they, they, there are a few. Some of those guys are a few years away, and yeah. they've traded away high picks in oh, order yeah. to acquire that talent. And eventually, that talent drain shows up. Yep, no question, Mike. Yeah, I mean they're going to have to make a decision one way or the other on the goaltending because they could potentially potentially lose Jari or Murray uh, in expansion after next year, and both of them are RFA's, so they're going to have to make a decision on their goaltending. Uh, I agree with Anthony in terms of the slow-footedness of. Dumoulin and, and Justin Schultz, who was a UFA, and I don't think he'll be back because they have to re-sign uh, Marino off of ZLC. But you right. know that that being said, it's like I mean the the bigger thing is. 
they, you know, they they're all in on this core, on this core group. They went out and they got Zucker. They re-signed Gensel. They re-signed Hornquist. Those are those are the complementary players to the two big centers. Um, you know, I think they're probably you know, going to be forced to ride this out the last couple of years because I don't think a like a, a, a retool is going to work. Uh, you know, <laughs> what's what's the retool? Trade Crosby or trade Malkin? Then you know you're you're yeah. basically wasting the other guy in the in the in the last few good years of his career. So I think they're you know they're probably going to stick with what they have, and we'll, we'll see what happens. But let, let's just say this. They played right into Claude Julien's hands. They, you know, Montreal was the faster team, but they were allowed to play that that you know one nothing two nothing game. That that's the only way that they could beat a team with superior talent. I give them credit, but you know, I I don't know how Sullivan walked into that. He had to avoid that, and he didn't. Right. Um, the only thing I'm going to mention about Florida is, you know, we're hearing reports Dale Talon's gone. We'll. We'll have to wait until it's official. I really have nothing else to say about Florida. You know, you could bring in Joel Quenville, but if Joel Quenville doesn't have enough of his type players, it's not going to matter. I don't know if you guys have any comments on Florida. I do. I, I think for Florida, again, I think Chris Pronger's comments heading out the door when I believe he spoke with, I don't know if it was either Craig Cousins or Jeremy Rutherford from the Athletic, yeah. was very yeah. telling with regards to, yes, the team has a lot of talent, but, you know, they're, 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 the accountability was a big reason as to why he left uh, the, the, the Panthers organization and that there's just – and it's just – it's very scattershot. It's like, you know, for a while Florida was felt like they were going to turn into Chicago South. They still are, you know, saw that feel. But now the question's going to be, you know, I think what we're waiting on right now is who who's the next one to be in line there. Is it Eric Joyce? Would – you know, would they would a shocking surprise happen and Pronger return to the organization as the general manager? Just don't know. We don't know that. Again, it's the same problem that the Florida Panthers have had honestly since the since their heyday in the, in the, in the yep. late '90s. What is your identity? We knew what they were. You know, in the in the mid '90s, the Scrappy Coley Rat era. You know, Florida Panthers. Now it's just like they're they're nondescript. They have a lot of – there's some definite high-end talent there. You have Barkov, Huberto, Ekblad. You've got the core there, and you got, you know, Spencer Knight in the system, and you spent $10 million AAV on Sergey Bobrovsky. But what good is that going to be if he can't, you know, if, if, if the team looks like it's a, just a, a mass Frankenstein monster of parts that just don't, that just don't fit? And now you've got you, – you've sunk a ton of money into bringing Joel Quenville in. And now the guy who brought him in is no is likely not going to be the, the next gen, is not going to be the general manager. What are you exactly? Nobody knows, and they haven't known for the better part of the two thousands. Well, nope, that's uh, fair. Before I get to uh, Mike, I do want to mention that since Chris Pronger is now in the travel agency business, I I dealt a lot with travel agencies when I was in the hotels. If he wants accountability, he's going to get it. He's going to get calls in the middle of the night that. The continental breakfast isn't what they said it would be, and then the hotel bedspread isn't great. So good luck to Chris. I'm sure he won't be fielding those calls, but just hearing about it, I wish him the best with that. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, well, if you, if you get a knock on your door after making one of those complaints and you get high-sticked, <laughs> high you know who did it. Um, I'll, I'll just say this, be, be, be brief on the Panthers. When you spend $25 million on your top four defensemen, and in general they can't play defense, 
you deserve to be fired. Matheson is terrible. Uh, uh, Strawman is over the hill. Uh, uh, Yandel has never been able to play defense, but at least he's good offensively. And Ekblad is, is a shadow of his former self after the concussion problems. That's the core of the problem. Not only did you spend $10 million bucks on Bobrovsky, but the, your defense that you've spent a, almost one-third of your salary cap can't keep the puck out of the net. That is disastrous. Nope, that's fine. Um, I just have a quick thing on, on Nashville. Um, Smashville's dead. You might as well rebrand it to Smushed because that's pretty much what happened to them. They, they're a shell of themselves. They obviously have no faith in Pecorine anymore, so he's gone. I don't have much faith in UC Soros again. I'm back to that. And there again, they have talent that can't put it together. They have defense that's not as deep as it once was. They are a mess. So I can't even tell you if Nashville's a playoff team next year. Uh, David Poyle's got his hands full. Maybe he'll get bumped up into a presidency and someone else will come in. Maybe he won't, but he'll, start, he'll still be there. He's going to be there for life, but this team's going to go through some big changes. Because, and I hope those fans understand that, that you know, they've seen this is the downside now of their really good years. Like, this is it. This is, the down years are starting. I think more than anything when it comes to the pants with the Predators is, again, they, they're kind of in between. They, they, they've come out of the Peter Lavia. They, they had a distinct identity, again, in the Lavia era. They came at you in mm-hmm. waves. They were highly aggressive. They had a blue line they could activate. In many ways, again, Laviolette, it was almost – Nashville was almost like Laviolette's team in Philadelphia, but with even more depth. But, but that worked for a while. Then they bring – obviously, think that the message got stale. Laviolette leaves. They bring in John Hines as their, as their head coach. And Hines is a, you know, he's, a, he's an okay coach. I think he's a solid head coach. Brought a little bit of structure in, but again, it just, there's a feeling of staleness to the national, to, to the Predators. If the, these players have been together for too long at this point, they did get one deep run in. Um, and obviously there was a lot of excitement when Subban came in and they, made, and they made it all the way to the final against Pittsburgh. But then after that, things just have kind of fallen, completely fallen off the track for them. Um, the talent, you, know, you would look at it as the offensive talent is there, but again, not consistent. In many ways, Ryan Johansson is the face of the, uh, the Nashville Predators, where you can, he's kind of the microcosm of that whole team where, yeah, you could get a great performance out of him, but you, but it's not you're not gonna you can't count on on the consistency of that. And when you're as you as you mentioned before, Russ, when you're counting on Roman Yossi to provide you with offense with, with that yeah. much offensive that much of a percent of your offense, when he's got to you know focus in on other areas of the ice as well, that's a problem. That is a major is. problem for the Predators. Especially when you got Philip Forsberg, yeah. you got Matt Duchesne. But again, these are guys that in the past we kind of questioned their their tickers. Yep. Get around. They're mo- you know, they're just not well, consistent in their motivation. I, I, I don't think you can question Forsberg. He was like one of the only guys who showed up for the Predators. Not Forsberg, in the, for sure. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, you know, Matt Duchesne. Was, can we put an APP out on him because I didn't, I barely noticed him. And yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what Russ said. I mean, the Pecorini uh, era has to be over with because they didn't even have the confidence after going down 2-1 to one to put him in uh, when Saros, I thought, was weak in Game 3. Then, then Rene, he's got a year left in his contract at $5 bucks, but I would not be surprised if we've seen the last of Pecorini. And, and they're, they're big into the uh, goalie market in the summer. 
Yeah, I can see them doing that because, again, if Saros doesn't work out, maybe the goalie they get could end up you know, being the guy, whoever that might be. We'll talk about that another day. And so now we're going to talk about things that have occurred and what will occur in playoffs. We can't cover every team. We just don't have enough time. So, Mike, we'll start with you and, and talk about the Leafs. The Leafs certainly um, – you were not as confident as I was, but I wasn't fully confident when we did the buzzcast when I said, you know, I think the Leafs can win, and you were just like, yeah, like, yeah, that might happen, but I don't know if it's going to happen. And so it did happen, and that was a great comeback. But was that it? Is that, was that the last bit of juice from the orange? Are, are they going to still come out and lose this next one? What do you think is going to happen? Well, any normal team, you would say that they would ride this momentum and look at the, the Blue Jackets with question marks in terms of do they go back to Merzlikens or do they go back to Corpusallo with the health status of Ryan Murray or, or more importantly, Zach Wierenski is for Game 5. But, you know, the Leafs have a collective attention deficit disorder. You never can figure out what the hell they're going to do. And, they, you know, they, they should win this series based on – uh, you know, I, I think they're the advantages that they have, but uh, you know, I think that at times they've just been outworked by Columbus, and at also times their their plan has been flawed. That sort of feeds into Columbus just sort of back, sitting back and waiting and waiting for the Leafs to make a mistake, and invariably they do. I mean, so I mean, I, I can't like I predict, predicted the, the Blue Jackets in five. So right now, I'm you know I, I'm uh, online for that. Um, I mean, it's very possible the Leafs win the, win the game tonight, but uh, you know they're just it, it's puzzling how a team can play the way they did in game two and shut down Columbus and allow 20 shots on goal and they're leading 3 nothing in game three and then they have a collective brain cramp and just allow Columbus to come back. They, you know, what, they, what happened on Friday is something you probably will never see for another 15 to 20 years where a team is up 3 nothing and a team who is solid defensively and uh, the other team scores three goals to force overtime. It's it was it was like a it was like Haley's comment. You won't see it again for a while. Yeah, I mean, with and, and again, and this will be a theme for the next little bit. That more we talk about teams, uh, you lose a guy like Zach Wierenski for most of the game. Those kinds of things could happen, and and that's teams are susceptible these days. You lose your number one defenseman, it's like losing a quarterback now in the NFL. Yeah, it's very much so. I mean, we saw, you know, and, or even any, any one of your, like, top, like, one or two defensemen, I think we, you notice a drop-off. We saw what happened yesterday with, with Tampa when they lost Hedman yep. initially. And you saw Philadelphia have a similar issue when Sanheim was out for a little bit. They couldn't quite yep. roll the same number of pairs. So because of the way systems today are really structured on, you know, ha- you know as much help, obviously, as possible, but also how much – you know, how you spring plays and how you get things started up ice. If you lose those guys, like you said, they're very much like, you know, as you said, they're very much like quarterbacks back there because they direct so much of the ice. Other than, yeah. other than the center position, you know, your top two defensemen are, are the most important players on the ice beyond the goaltender. So, again, yeah. with the, the Leafs, I always just get this feeling of a team that's just – I know it, it, there's, there's talent, but it's, it's immature talent. And right. when you're getting into the heat of the post, like when they get – and you heard it, I think, as well from uh, from Sheldon Keith 
uh, that, you know, it's just, there's, there's engagement issues. There is just, you know, it, they, there's, there's still this feeling that we're incredibly talented and our, our talent will carry us, our talent will carry us through. Uh, but against a team like Columbus, where the matchups are just, they're, they're a matchup problem for you and how they play. They're relentless. They're dog, you know, they're dogged in how they did it. And in, in many ways, what happened in game three with Columbus, Columbus really was the better of the two teams in game three. It was just the least were fortunate yeah. enough to be up three, nothing. Whereas in this game, in game four, Columbus was definitely the better team in game four. And it's just, you know, the, the mass freak moment and Toronto was able to, you know, ride that ride their talent to, against the Columbus team that, as you said, was missing Wierenski and just kind of, you know, blew their wheels, so to speak, in that last game. So I think all in all, I expect Columbus will, will, will be able to weather this and Tortorella will be able to get them ready to roll here to, to win the series in the fifth game. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think Columbus will weather this. Uh, I do want to say for all those people all those years ago that used to call Jason Spetz is soft in Ottawa. He had a fight, so shut up. All right, anyhow. Um, so now we'll go to the series that are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Avs, Arizona, we'll start off with that one. I Preseason, I picked the Avs to win it all. I still think they're going to win it all. Uh, I don't know if Grubauer will be the goalie. I mean, again, I think what happened with Carolina, with Martin Gerber, could happen with, with the Avs, and Franzuz could come in and just plays that system so well that it's fine. Grubauer does, you know, did give up one yesterday that I didn't like against Vegas, but again, it's in one of those, you know, round-robin games, so who knows. But at the end of the day, everything else is there for the abs. Every other piece you could possibly want. Yes, they have some youth, there's no question, but if Arizona is going to have any trouble scoring, it's all going to be on Darcy Kempner, and I think he did pull it around and really mm-hmm. finished out strong, but at the end of the day, I'm still going to go with the... Uh, with the abs in seven, I think they're going to edge it out. I think that Kempner will steal a couple games, but I just don't think Arizona's got the scoring. That's my problem with Arizona. Yeah. Yeah, I would say again that's the biggest concern in this series because I think the I, I think they can unlike against Nashville, uh, Arizona in that series could count on a, on almost you know count on the fact that the the pred at times couldn't get out of their own way, despite the right. that they have there at forward. But Colorado's a whole different animal. They, they, they're rolling, despite the loss yesterday, that was about as tight. They've got just about every little bit of element you could want in a cup contender with, the, with the, as you said, the potential question mark of, of, what's, gonna, of what's gonna occur in net. It's, but to me, the only thing I think that holds back Colorado from really, you know, really being in the final four is the performance is going to be the performance of their net miners. Otherwise, you know, I, I, a lot of respect for what the Coyotes were able to do in that series. Um, they're going to need to slow the ads down and play a grind yeah. game. I do think they'll win. I'm not sure about seven. I'm going to probably say the ads in six for that okay. one because I think the ads will be able to match their uh, the, the, the Coyotes' effort, but Kemper will frustrate them in, at least in a couple games. Mike. Yeah, I mean, remember, when we were talking about this on the Buzzcast during the week, Kemper was weak in a couple of the games in the – in the, in the series against Nashville, but they they won one of them, lost the other one. Um, I mean, they, they can't afford for him to be 
pedestrian against the Avs. And, I, I, you know, I, I, I just don't know whether Arizona has the offensive ability or the speed to really hang with the Avs. And that's not to say that Arizona is a slow club. It's just Colorado is extremely uh, good a good skating team and a very creative team. Um, I, I just think that the Avs outclassed them. I, you know, maybe the Coyotes give them a little bit of a scare, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with what Anthony had, which was Avs in six. Okay. Now we go to Chicago and Vegas. Hey, look, Chicago advanced. Good for them. Corey Crawford was amazing. Like, Corey Crawford, to me, was the reason they advanced. We knew they were going to have offense. We knew their defense would be challenged a lot. And Corey Crawford just came up massively big, considering all this guy's been through. Wow. So, his, you know, he, he might get a good contract this offseason. Uh, but Vegas plays a lot like Chicago, except Vegas is just better. Now, defensively, you can make the argument neither team is great. And, but in goal... Like, you have options in Vegas, and I still think Fleury's going to start. I don't think Leonard will, will be the yeah. guy. But Leonard will be there lurking in case Fleury has, has a problem. But basically what I think that what it comes down to with these two teams, and, and I look, Chicago will have, again, like I said last series, they will have these four or five goal games and will win some games as a result because you have Kane and you have Taves and you have Kubelik and you have Debrinkit, and that's a lot of offense. But – when, they, when Vegas starts grinding it out, Chicago will not have an answer for Mark Stone. They won't have an answer for winning face-offs against guys that are, that are grizzled veterans, that they have a few of those still. They, there's a lot of different things that Vegas does that I think will just put them ahead. They have a lot of size. We, you know, Alex Tuck goal aside, which I loved, um, he's still a big guy to cover. And, he, and they have a lot of that yeah. white clouds really, you know, emerged, which is nice to see. And so he's actually even chipping in some goals for them. So that's, that's a big thing, too, because now if they start getting a little bit more push from their blue line, which they've never really had, um, that's a big thing. So I'm, I'm going to go I, Vegas in, in six. Yeah, I would say, again, Vegas. I mean, Shea Theodore is, I think, a huge X factor in this series. Massive, yeah. He's massive. What he's turned, I think he's a top ten defenseman in the league now. I think he is. I think he's got his level is that good, and he's got enough defensive support around him now. As I I was impressed, you know, despite some of the games where Vegas kind of kind of played a little bit of fire wagon hockey, I think it behooves them, and certainly it behooves Pete DeBoer to kind of. You know, sort of rein in some of the you know, some of that tendency a little bit here, especially against Chicago. As crazy as it was, we we all thought going into the Edmonton series that Chicago didn't want to get into a track meet with Edmonton, but they were more than capable of doing it. So now, yeah, it does have the potential to, to, for this series to get a little wild and a little hairy. Looking yes. at it, especially watching it, how Chicago was able to, you know, they got the up how you know became the dominant Kubalik show. Um, and Alex DeBrinkett was certainly a force, and their young players like Kirby Doc, they all yep. got a nice, a nice bite in this. It was good to see, I think, from Chicago's perspective. But, again, I look at Vegas, I think, overall, again, if you're running your top three defensemen at Theodore, uh, Alec Martinez, and uh, Nate, you know, Nate Schmidt, it's a good – I think the blue line now for, for Vegas is – good enough whereas before in previous years you kind of wondered now it's yeah. a good unit theodore's really become quite a force 
And again, they've got the offense. Yeah, Martinez has played better than I thought. I'll, I'll be honest. He is. He, well, he's grafted on really well. He knows his role. He knows he's like the number three defenseman on that team. It's not a sim, it's, it's in many ways similar to a role that he had in Los Angeles where he's expected to be an initiator a little bit offensively, but he's not expected to be the main guy, especially when you have a Schmidt and a Theodore up front who can really push it from the back end. So all in all, I think Vegas should win this series. Um, I'm going to say we're going to, again, I'm, I'm going to err on the side of caution that Chicago can probably win a couple games here. We're going to say Vegas in six. Okay, Mike. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that Chicago came up against a team that has little or no concept of team defense, had below average goaltending in Mike Smith and Koskinen, and depended wholly on McDavid and Dreisaitl to carry the ball. And that's not the case with Vegas. Vegas is, you know, they're going to go with Flurry, but they've got the one-two tandem, and if they, if they need it, their defense is much better uh, and they, offensively, and they're, and they're, and they're a bigger team too. I mean, you're going to have yeah. Ryan Reeves running rough shot, and, yep. and it's. It, but the, overall, the team will play a more physical game. So, you know, I give I give Chicago a lot of credit credit for beating Edmonton, and I, I you know Crawford as well. But you know, this team wasn't supposed to make the playoffs, and they have a lot of flaws, especially on defense. I don't think you know Duncan Keith can play 30 minutes a night at his advanced age, and you put Adam Boquist and some of the other defensemen they have out there uh, for major minutes, and they're going to make mistakes. So I think Vegas. Murphy, you love them. Murphy. You know you oh, do. Yeah, like. he's, he's he's fantastic. Uh, I'll go I'll go <laughs> Vegas in five. Okay, now we get to Flyers and Habs. Um, so the Habs advanced, and this is like. The worst case scenario just for this kind of format, that a team that literally had no chance of making the playoffs comes alive in the playoffs and does well. And I think they're working off the same formula that like other teams have worked off. You have a great goalie, and Shea Weber is now playing like Shea Weber, and that's mm-hmm. two big elements in this league that you need. And so they, they do have that. Their skating is good. Their scoring is pretty good. I was happy to see Nick Suzuki was still healthy because I was a little worried that when he took that big hit, he's come back strong. He's looked great. Kokaniemi has poured it on. Uh, I, I think some things have happened here that have really helped them. I don't think they're beating the Flyers simply because what we saw in the Tampa game is they play mostly consistent hockey, and I say mostly because there are a couple big breakaways that if Carter Hart doesn't stop those, that game might have been different, but he did. Kucherov literally was doing whatever he wanted that game, even though he may not have scored. He was doing whatever he wanted that game. Like, he, he just didn't score. He hit the post. He, he had breakaways. Those are things I worry about with the Flyers, but, and I think it will come out a little bit against Montreal, but I don't think it's going to be the overriding factor. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Flyers in five and, and say, Habs, you know, you, you've had a good showing here but you took yourself out of the Lafreniere sweepstakes, and I think ultimately that's going to hurt you long-term. But at any rate, Ant. Uh, for me, watching uh, Montreal again, as we mentioned earlier in the show, again, they, what Philly's going to have to really guard against here is that, they, I, that Montreal can skate with them speed-wise. Yes. They're going to have to be careful to not be careless. If, if, you're, if you're Claude Julien, you're watching some of those sequences uh, where the Flyers got careless in the neutral zone and allowed count and allowed a couple counter rushes. Now, to Philadelphia's credit, yeah. they tightened that up as the game went on. And certainly, yeah. uh, Kucherov early on, certainly throughout probably through a good bit of the early part of that game, had major opportunities. Then Philadelphia, I think, adjusted and were able to keep Kuch to the perimeter 
and much of, of Tampa to the perimeter. But again, some of that is also, again, you have to look at it from the point of view of first period Philadelphia dominated after the, after the goal. And then after that, it was Tampa was kind of carrying play. But again, Philly was at least smart enough to capitalize on the moments that they had, which again is huge in the playoffs because that does play, I think, play up on things a little bit psychologically, especially for a talented team like Tampa. Uh, that they just could not kind of crack the, the center of the ice. They couldn't get to those scoring areas in the third period, especially in the third period, as much as they'd like. But again, the X factor for Philadelphia remains Carter Hart. If Hart does not make those stops, it's a fire wagon game pretty much to the end. And oh, yeah. they're able to tighten things up, and that was huge for their confidence level going forward. And we can't underestimate the fact, again, that how, of how much confidence Hart provides Philadelphia from the back end. And we talk about certainly how improved Philadelphia's penalty killing is. The ultimate penalty killer, again, at the end of the day, is your goaltender. And Philadelphia was in, and Hart made some huge stops. For Philadelphia, again, the fact that that the top line is is playing well but hasn't yet cashed in is is something really to take a look at because again, Philadelphia got a lot of offense a lot of offense in this round robin from their bottom from their bottom uh, their bottom line. you know, and Lawton obviously cashing in three times is something that you don't. You know, if you've seen Scott Lawton playing with Philadelphia, you know, for the Flyers, he's kind of a he's been a jack of all trades, but now it's settled into a top six left wing role, which is working out very well for him. Um, yep. Again, Philadelphia's going to try to come at you, and their plan is we come at you and wave. If, even if they lose a guy, a Jolt Farabee suddenly comes in and is able to to, to score the rookie score. When you get you know Nick Albay Cabell cashing two goals in a game, you know you've got things going rolling pretty well. Yeah. So all in all, Philadelphia, the one big concern that they have is probably their power play. It is sputtering. It is struggling on, on the ice, but the PK is certainly right where it left off. Um, I think Philadelphia, for the most part. Um, if they continue to play their game, can match Montreal easily in the effort department and certainly can skate with them. I'm going to agree with you, Russ. I'm going to say Philadelphia can, will win this series in five. Mike, the one thing I'll say is I think Philly will also have trouble with, like, Paul Byron. He's a fast little bugger, man, and he, he's healthy. Yeah, no, I mean, Montreal's got speed. Um, and, you know, they – Benefited from uh, you know sort of a, a redo for uh, Kotkaniemi, who bounced back from injury and getting sent to the minors and played really well in the first round. I just look at this: the enemy of Philadelphia in this situation is underestimating Montreal and overconfidence. If they if they take them for what they are, which is a team that was that beat a better team in Pittsburgh by playing you know Claude Julian shut down defensive style and 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 defending Carey Price and having Price you know stand on his head like only Carey Price can do then uh you know they you know, then they should win the series in 5 games if they underestimate the Habs and take them for granted then the Habs can come and bite them in the ass and, and that that's possible but I, I don't see it happening I mean I one thing I think that Philadelphia has to do you look at Phil, you look at Montreal's defense with Petrie 
and with uh, and with Weber. And after it, it's not much. When you got guys like Mete and Brett Kulak playing, you know, almost 20 minutes a night, you've got to beat down that defense. You've got to wear them down, especially Weber, who's a little older. He's still a great defenseman. But they have to be physical with those guys and make them pay for their minutes. And if they do that, and if at the end of the game, they'll make a lot of mistakes. I think Philadelphia and Vino are smart enough to do that, and I don't think they'll underestimate the Habs, and I think it'll be uh, Flyers and five. Yeah, the, the last thing I'd say is, if I were Julian, I would get Ryan Paling in there because he, he got run a little bit by Hag earlier in the year because he had you know concussion problems. He's healthy now. When he wants to be a force on the ice, he could be a force on the ice, and they might need that big guy with some extra goals. So I would use him over anybody from the ECHL. That's just me, but, you know, Julian advanced, so what could I say? But that's it. That's it for Off the Post. We're loving what we see right now, and uh, we'll get some more playoff hockey in, and we'll catch everybody next time. Take care, everybody. We'll have a Tang update next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.